All right, we're continuing our study in the book of Colossians. We are halfway through. And yes, that song is playing in my head. Uh, If you don't know which one it is, that's your problem. But uh, today's message I entitled Clothing and Identity. Has Has anyone ever worn something you regretted? Has anyone ever worn something that you regretted someone getting a picture of you in? (laughs) Has anyone ever worn something that you regret seeing them in it? (laughs) I tell you, clothing is an amazing thing. Um, It's it's secular, right? If If you hold on to it long enough, fashion comes back, right? And the thing that's back is bell bottoms. You remember? Yeah, way back in the day. I was alive at the front end, briefly, but, <clears throat> but the twist now is they're skinny down to just below the knees. Every time I see those, I think of Charo. And if you don't know who that is, Googler. But uh, clothing and identity uh, have, have a lot to do with one another. And we, as a society, we, our clothing says a lot about us. Now, I've been in other parts of the country, uh, of, of the world, where your clothing is more limited and, it, and it, it still speaks of things, but it doesn't have the individuality and the individual expression that we enjoy here in America. So today, we're going to talk about that, and, and Paul's going to talk to us about it. But uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to take a few things at some clothing selections. Uh, perhaps you recognize this, and yes, the Cowboys made Thanksgiving extra special. But uh, look at this cat. I mean, he is all out. He's even wearing shin guards in that bad boy. So here's my thing. Does he get dressed when he get there, or does he drive that way? <laughs> I mean, and, you know, it's a thing. He's even wearing a cape. So, I, you know, we all understand what that means. And I wanted to share this one, one, because I love Bob Euchre, and two, perhaps you remember the Rangers won the World Series. But Bob Euchre said, when I came up to bat with three men on, two outs in the ninth, I looked at the other team's dugout, and they were already in their street clothes. Yeah, that's funny right there. If you don't understand it, it's okay. Um, And then I'm not going to say whether or not I'm related to one of these men. I might be. I might not be. I'm not saying. But these men's apparel kind of identifies them a little bit, yeah? And again, the question is, did you drive to the stadium looking like that? And just think, I don't know. Did they, did they save it all year just for Thanksgiving? I don't know. Uh, and then I, I love uh, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, one of our cats is named after her. Uh, the beauty of a woman is not in the clothes that she wears, the figure that she carries, or the way she combs her hair. And that's, that's good there, right? I mean, a nice, wonderful little uh, idea there. And then we're in that season when, you know, um, you know, it's that time of year. <clears throat> hey, Jeff, we should have ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. How about that? Okay. Okay. All right. Listen. Hey, listen. I dare you. I'll tell you. <laughs> it, it could be on a Sunday, but I may mean it on a Friday. Um, not Christmas Eve Sunday, definitely not that day, <clears throat> but you know, ugly, ugly Christmas sweater. It's an amazing thing about America is you take something that no one really wanted to wear, you make it a thing and now people pay big money for the thing they used to not want to wear. 
That's capitalism at its best. And then Zachary Taylor says this, never judge a stranger by his clothes. Now, this is so true. My father, <coughs> when I was a younger man, looked like he could be homeless. He would wear things with holes and all sorts of things. My mother would just wear him out. But if you were to judge my father, Scott, you remember, if you judge my father based on the way he was dressed, your judgment would be not correct. So today, we're going to quickly look at clothing and identity. What are our motives towards our clothing? Let's go. <coughs> today, our focus verses is the third chapter, verses 11 through 17. Here there is... Uh, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothed, there's our theme, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. <coughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Let me say, that is hot coffee, and it is delicious. <coughs> I love what Robert Louis Stevens says, there is nothing but God's grace. We walk upon it, we breathe it, we live in it, and die by it. It makes the nails and the axles of the universe. So when we talk about grace, well, we, you know, it's, a, it's a familiar term. It's used a lot, but we should never become so comfortable that it loses its punch for what it is. Verse 11 says this, make, God makes no distinctions in whom he loves and extends his grace to. Paul was saying there's, there's no one here that God doesn't love. Amen? Amen? Now, there may be people that you don't like, but God calls us to love everyone. Have you ever told someone that? I don't like you, but I love you because God commands it. Now, there's a difference. Well, I'll tell you what. <coughs> if I had a bottle scrubber, I'd go right down in there and I'd get that thing. <laughs> but you would not like the outcome. I'm just saying. But God loves everyone. And that's a true statement. That's not an overstatement. That's not me just trying to sell the company snake oil. God loves everyone. Jesus went to the cross for every human being and their sins. Amen? Amen. That begins with me. I am the chief of sinners, as Paul says. God went to the, Jesus went to the cross for me, and he went to the cross for you. His invitation is whosoever will. Whosoever will. It's a timeless invitation. You know what the only limit on the, the only time limit on that is? The grave. The grave will keep us for eternity where it finds us. But between now and then, the invitation is timeless. Second, it's trustworthy. Why? Because it's not dependent upon me. You know what? There are some things you can trust me for. There's some other things, maybe not, like making announcements on Sunday morning in church. But God is always, always, always trustworthy. And number three, it's true. It doesn't matter about public opinion. It doesn't matter about how you even feel about it. God loves you, but your feelings do not dictate what is true and untrue about God. In fact, Romans 10, 13 tells us this. 
For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's say everyone together, shall we? Everyone. That's everyone. Who does that mean? That means everyone. What does that mean in the Greek? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter how young or how old. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. (coughs) Okay, this is going to be an issue. Verse 11. uh, God makes those... Are you bringing me something? Come on, brother. I knew Alan wasn't moving up there just so I'd get a better look at him. You're a good man. Or maybe he was. You're a good man. Thank you. His invitation is for what? Whosoever will. And that means everyone. We said it. We agree on that, right? Second is this. The inclusion is a little different. The invitation is for everyone. The inclusion into God's family and the inclusion into heaven is a smaller group. His inclusion is an exclusive to those who respond to his invitation by faith. The invitation is to everyone. The inclusion is for those who respond by faith to him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us this. For as by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. I can buy a gift, I can bring the gift, I can extend the gift to you and offer it to you, but it's not your gift until you receive it unto yourself. Amen? God has paid for the gift. He has delivered the gift. He has offered the gift. But the inclusion is exclusively for those who what? Receive the gift. It's not of works. That means you can't earn your way there so that no one boasts. There's to be no braggarts in heaven. <clears throat> because you are holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. <clears throat> Paul's talking about the way that we clothe ourselves. Our clothing choices are personal, aren't they? Now, how many of you like being told what to wear? Now, husbands, don't raise your hands. I don't want to do marital counseling after church. <clears throat> but we started at an early age. Our little grandgirl is only six. But our grandgirl has an idea for fashion. And um, it's very personalized. And it is not worth the fight, is it, my love? No, no. We just, we just let her go with what she goes with. But our clothing choices are personal. Our clothing choices identifies us. You remember those guys we saw earlier? Our clothing identifies us. We wear, we wear shirts that identify us. We wear hats that identify us. We may wear a name brand. I don't know if that's as big as it, as it once was, but you remember when you, you had to have a certain logo? You remember Izod? I remember Izod and Polo. Oh, man, those were awesome. <clears throat> I remember once I was so rich I had one. And it got worn regular because I wanted everyone to see me wearing a polo. But our clothing, man, you're all right. I'm just going to put an offering bucket right here. I'm not the piano man, but, you know, you can put a tip in my jar. Uh, Other clothing, and it it identifies us. We wear wear Authentic Life Fellowship 
apparel because we want to be identified with authentic life. Our clothing also makes a statement. About a week and a half ago, I was enjoying a steak dinner by myself. Not that I enjoy being by myself. I just had the occasion, and I wanted a steak. So I was at a steakhouse, <clears throat> and I was sitting there, and I look across, and there was a young man. He appeared to be uh, 25 to 32, thereabouts, and he was wearing a hoodie. And on the back of his hoodie, I, let me just say, at the peak of my sinfulness, I would not have worn that. And I was this close to going over and nudging him and going, hey, bud, you pick up a lot of chicks with that? <clears throat> his, let me just say, his clothing was making a statement. But our clothing makes a statement. How we wear it, when we wear it, what we wear can make a statement. Our clothing choices can also influence others. There are some things that if you don't want to fight, don't wear it. If you don't want a verbal confrontation, make the choice in the closet and don't wear it. I mean, you know, there are, I did, listen, there's just some things. It's, anyway, but it influences others for the good or for the bad. Because we're holy and dear and loved, he says, this is how we are to dress ourselves first with compassion. And I love, I love the words that give us that kind of paint this word compassion more fully. I love the word empathy. Sympathy is when you can feel for someone because you too have the same life experience. That's what gives you the ability to sympathize. Empathy is when you feel for someone. It may not be your personal experience, but you have an empathy for them. You, you have a, a compassion towards them. There are certain things in our lives that we may not experience, but we can express empathy for others who may have expressed those things. Kindness. I love this. Hospitality. To be hospitable. To be courteous. It doesn't cost us anything extra to be courteous, does it? It doesn't. Our world is a better place with people being more courteous. He says, dress ourselves, clothe ourselves with humility. I like this. A lack of pride. It doesn't mean that you're not proud of who you are, where you came from, or where you accomplished. But it's the lack of arrogance. It's that better than. Listen, I'm not better than anybody. God just called me to be different. But to be clothed in humility. To be clothed in gentleness. To be clothed in patience. Now, there's only one way to get patience. And it's the hard way. But patience. And I love, I love the word poise. To have poise. To maintain your poise. Paul says, be clothed in poise. We shouldn't be the folks who get riled up at the drop of a hat. We shouldn't be the folks who always have our, fence at, our fists at half clinch and ready to throw gloves. We should have poise. We look to Jesus, and, and even in the midst of his unlawful scourging, Jesus had poise. Even as he carried the cross up Calvary's hill, Jesus had poise. Poise. Even as he was nailed to a wooden cross, being spat on and mocked, he had poise. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so Paul says we should clothe ourselves in such a way with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. If you look at the headlines, 
this is what's missing. God wants us to be what countercultural. What a concept. Jesus was countercultural. We go on. Christ is displayed by you bearing with each other and forgiving one another. Now, uh, when we ask ourselves, how should I forgive people? I, I mean, it's like every week after church, I go to my office and I'm like, Lord, how am I to forgive Ronnie? It's not what you did, it's my interpretation. It's how you make me feel. If you ever want to know what God expects of us in the area of forgiving one another, how has God forgiven you? Now you say, well, Jimmy, that's just overkill. No, that's what the Bible says. That's what Paul's telling us. That this, this isn't just for over-dramatization. God says, Jimmy, the way I want you to forgive others is the way that I forgave you. Well, Lord, how did you do that? By faith through grace, God, what? Forgave it all. All of it. And I remember it, and I'm still ashamed of a lot of it. But God forgave me. And so when I think of what does God want me to do in the way of forgiving others... All I have to do is look to the cross. It's a high mark. But just because it's a high mark doesn't mean that God gives us permission not to strive to it. And above all these, we're to love. So that's the challenge, is you can't forgive if you don't love. And I'm going to say this, you can't love if you don't forgive. It's just the opposite side of the same coin. Because those two things bring together a sense of unity to this whole thing. We strive to these things, why? Because we have love and forgiveness. We strive to these, why? Because God, while I was yet a sinner, while I was yet an enemy of God, Christ died for me. He loved me and gave me the choice to accept his invitation or to reject it. And because he first loved me, in that love he forgave me, that's what God wants for me. Do I always feel like it? No. No. I'd be lying to you if every now and then I don't feel like, man, if I could just roll around in the dirt for about a good 60 seconds, I might be like, you know, therapeutic for me. But that's not the way Christ works. That's not the way Christ would have me to work. Why? Because that 60 seconds would be on Facebook, and boy, wouldn't I be getting eaten up for that. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. It says, let the peace of Christ rule. Now, the challenge that we face with the peace of Christ is this. We have to be at peace with Christ for Christ's peace to rule in us. We live in a world that does not know peace. Amen? Amen. We live in a world that knows of Christ, but doesn't Hold to Christ, amen? Now, I'm going to preach better and get done sooner if you respond to me better. Our world knows of Christ. Why? Christmas! But they do not adhere to Christ. They do not follow Christ. They do not clothe themselves as Christ. Why? Because they are not at peace with Christ. 
The first step to peace comes with being at peace with God. Romans says this, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to church is a good thing, but coming to church will not constitute peace with God. You can give a lot of money to good things. Good. You can stop doing this thing and start doing this thing. Good. There's a lot of things. But peace with God comes with peace from God, and that means having a personal relationship with God. There's no way around it. There's no hack to it. There's no sharing of it. There's no inheritance of it. You can't beg, borrow, steal it. It's an individual choice with an individual reward that you cannot have without peace with God. And with that being said, I want to ask this question. Have you ever personally received Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? Has there ever been a time, has there ever been a place where you personally received the invitation of God so that you can what? Be included a lot of people want to claim to be family, but they're not. A lot of people want to claim to be something, but they're not. We are included into God's family when we are reconciled and find peace with God through Jesus. That's where peace must start. Peace doesn't work from the world in. Peace works from the inside out. If you're waiting for the world to bring peace in your heart, my friend, you wait in vain. If you're waiting for a government to bring peace into your life and your heart, you wait in vain. If you're waiting for some project or some self-help routine to bring peace into your heart, my friend, you wait in vain. There's only one way. By one man and by one process. And his name's Jesus. And with that being said, I'd like for everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes just for a moment. I want to give you that opportunity. If there's never been a time, there's never been a place where you personally received God's invitation to be included into his family, to receive his grace, to receive his mercy, to receive his forgiveness, to receive the peace that only he can give to you. If you've never done that, my friend, why not today? Why not right now? I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to open your checkbook. I'm not asking you to wear a ring or get a tattoo. I'm just asking you, would you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Would you do that and let him prove to you that what I'm telling you is true? The day I met Christ as my Savior, that was a big part of where I was. Jesus, this is what I hear of you. You prove it to be true. And he did, and he did, and he does and he does. And my friend, I would love to have that privilege for you as well. If you're here today or if you're with me online or if you're going to be listening to this to the podcast whenever you listen to it, wherever you are, my friend, if you will whisper from your heart to God's heart, he will hear you, he will respond to you, and you will receive him. And my friend, you will not be the same. That's his promise. If it were me here today and I were going to pray from my heart to God's heart, to receive his son as my savior, to receive the peace that only he can afford me, I would pray something like this. 
And if you would wish to whisper this from your heart to God's heart, you please feel free to do so. I would whisper this, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and there's nothing I can do to save myself. I confess my complete helplessness to forgive my own sin or to work my way to heaven. At this moment, I trust Christ alone as the one who bore my sin and who died on the cross. I ask for the forgiveness only you can offer. And I ask your son, Christ Jesus, to be my savior. Help me to know you and to love you more day by day. And give me a home in heaven when my life on earth is through. My friend, it's not the prayer that saves you, it's the faith that saves you. And my friend, if that is your decision of faith today, I'd be honored for you to share that with me. Because I would love to talk to you about it and I would love to guide you on your next steps on this new life that you've embarked upon. Jesus, bless those who are wrestling with this decision. Jesus, bless those who may have made this decision today. And Father, bless those who have been walking and living and loving and serving in this decision for years. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. So we see that we have to let the peace of Christ rule in us. We have to have the peace inside of us comes through a personal relationship, and that begins to give us an inner peace. Before I knew Jesus, there was a war in my heart. There were two dogs fighting, a black one and a white one, and I fed the black one a lot. But the only time and the only way I can have inner peace is because now I have peace with the Heavenly Father. I can experience inner peace. That inner peace affects my interpersonal peace. You know what? If you're living for Christ and you're you're clothed like Christ, your relationship with other people is going to be better. Amen? It is. Is it going to be perfect? No. Is everyone going to like you? No. Is everyone going to love you? No. Is no one ever going to cuss you again? No. But listen, you will be a better person, and if you're a better person, your interpersonal relationships will be better. And then, Lord willing, we could have world peace. I know it sounds simple, but the world would be a different place if more people just trusted Jesus as their Savior. If we were all clothed as Paul called us to, the world would be a different place. Peace is the process as founded and ruled by God's love and mercy. We'll never have globally until we have more personally of what Christ has offered to us. Verse 16, let's hurry up. Excuse me. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The message is the means to peace. What message? The message of Jesus, the gospel. The gospel is the means to peace. Now, in our world, that's not always true. Man, you start talking about the gospel, it could go... It can go sideways on you. It can go sideways on you really quick, depending on where that other person is or other group of people really are. And, but the message is the means to peace. Jesus is the means to peace. Teaching is our responsibility. Teaching the message, the gospel, is our responsibility, first and foremost to ourselves. We need to feed ourselves, amen? Yeah. You know, I love it when my bride comes over and sits down on the couch and 
says, oh, open your, do- open your mouth. Here comes the airplane. I feel special. Now, it makes Thanksgiving lunch go really long. No, we have to learn to feed ourselves. Listen, we all loved feeding our kiddos. But it was really cool when they could go, right? We need to feed ourselves. We, you and I need to be feeding ourselves. It's my privilege to feed you the gospel, but it's also your privilege and responsibility to feed yourself. Secondly, to feed others. We need to teach others the gospel in word and in action. The Christmas season is a wonderful time to do it. As you're interacting with people, be quick to give the, 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 the reason for why you are the way you are. Be quick to tell them, man, it's, it's not me, it's Christ in me. And then admonishment is a privilege and a responsibility. Admonishment is just a big word for correction. Correction is our responsibility for one, for one another. We talked about it a little while back, but it's got to be motivated out of love. It's got to be based in Scripture, and the, <clears throat> the end goal is reconciliation to the Lord. It's not winning an argument. It's not proving someone wrong. It's restoration to the Lord. Amen? And admonishment is a privilege and a responsibility. If you love someone, you're going to help correct them. Because what? We all want to win. I want you to walk close to the Lord. And you know what? I want to as well. And so I, I, I ask you, please, man, I want you to admonish me if, it, if it's necessary. Come to me in love and grace and mercy, and let's talk through this. Why? I want to finish my race well, and I want you to finish your race well. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The name transforms the motivation, amen? I am a Christian, and that name transforms the motivation of my life, amen? Jesus transforms the motivation for what we do. Thankfulness is an admission. We just, we're just on the backside of Thanksgiving. Oh, and if anyone wanted to know, I did have turkey, a lot of it. I think it was a triple tryptophan turkey because my bride laid down at about 8 o'clock with our grand girl. She was just going to get her to go to sleep. Oh, no. She was still sleeping at about 8.30 when I left the next morning. It was a triple tryptophan turkey. It got hold of her. But thankfulness is an admission. What? It's an admission that I'm inadequate in myself. It's an admission that Christ can give me all that I need. And it's an admission that he is my sovereign Lord and Savior. And everything that I have is a gift from him. Every problem that I have is not a surprise to him. And every hope that I have is built in him and through him. It's, thankfulness is an admission of our mind and our hearts. Thankfulness is an attitude, an attitude of gratitude. It's fostered in our minds and in our hearts. If you do not have a thankful mind, you will not have a thankful heart. To be thankful for what? Let me say this. Can you give me one thing you're thankful you don't have? I bet you can. Start with that. If you wrestle with, I just don't, I just teenagers sometimes I just don't know what to be thankful for okay well let's step to the other side of the ledger what are you thankful for what you don't have 
You need to find thankfulness wherever you can, right? Foster it in the mind and the heart. Thankfulness is an action. Thankfulness is the way that we live our lives. Thankfulness is the conversations that we have. Thankfulness is the actions that we do. Thankfulness is also the things that we choose not to do. We talk about Thanksgiving. I remember the year I was in Jamaica. Brother Rose Green's with us this morning. I remember one year I was in Jamaica for Thanksgiving. One year because my bride told me not a second year. I didn't ask her before I committed. But you know, in, in Jamaica, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. I know. Who would miss out on having a turkey? I don't know. But I remember Brother Rose Green, our host, went to great lengths to secure and to cook a turkey for us Americans. And I remember that so vividly because Thanksgiving isn't just a day on a calendar. Thanksgiving is a mindset, a heart set, and a lifestyle. Whether I was in Jamaica where there wasn't a holiday, you can't have Black Friday without Turkey Thursday. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. But Thanksgiving is is a lifestyle. And um, it can be a difficult choice sometimes, but it's a choice we should strive to make. Because that transforms everything else. And Paul says, we, we illustrate our thankfulness the way we think and the way we feel by the way we clothe ourselves in these, these different things that he mentioned earlier. So my question to you today is this. How is your wardrobe? Does the world see gentleness, thankfulness, all those things? Do they see us wearing those things? Or do they see us wearing something else? If we're wearing something else, we need to really, really rethink that and strive to get back and clothe ourselves the way that Paul describes us. Why? Well, it's so we can show the world that we're better than them. No, not really. Nobody? No pushback at all on that? No. We should clothe ourselves the way Paul says to clothe ourselves. to show our thankfulness for whose we are and the opportunity for what the world could have if they so choose to receive that invitation. I'm not better than anyone. I'm just called to be different. So let's think about our attire as we go through the holidays. Are we dressed in humility and grace and love and compassion? Because listen, the holidays can get weird it can get crazy man be be dressed properly don't buy into the hype don't get crazy don't lose yourself to the economics of the world but walk in grace and humility and point them to the cradle because only Christ can deliver what the world truly wants for Christmas let's pray together shall we Father I thank you for today Lord I thank you for Paul's Simple yet profound uh, challenge to us. Lord, the way that we attire ourselves. Father, and I know it's the deep heart's desire of each and every one of us. Father, as they see us, they would see Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us during this wonderful time of year. 
to walk in humility and be clothed with righteousness. Lord, that we can share the gospel to a lost and dying world. That we can proclaim peace to all points if they'll simply search out the Prince of Peace. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.